Hi, and welcome to Knowledge Counts, a podcast of the Canadian Institute of Quantity Surveyors. I'm Wendy Hobbs. Today we're talking to Ross Hewitt, president of MBC Group, about the importance of good mental health in the workplace. Ross, you had a post on LinkedIn discussing mental health that went viral. Why do you think that post resonated? And why do you think some people felt comfortable commenting when maybe that's not something they would have discussed before? Well, thanks for asking about the the LinkedIn post. You know, it garnered a lot of attention, which wasn't necessarily my intent at all. Anyone who follows me on LinkedIn knows that I, I like to share things meaningful, things that occur as they happen. It's very rare that any of my LinkedIn is scripted, to be honest. I just share things I find interesting. And, you know, this year has been... I say tough, you know, NBC's continues to grow. I have a young family, a, a toddler and a baby. And I really, for the straight nine months, more or less, just worked, worked and worked more work. And I love what I do. And so loving what you do and, and getting burned out are, are not necessarily doing too much of what you love can burn you out, uh, as I found out. And burnout's a funny thing because you don't necessarily realize it's happening. You know, I'm always on the road. We've got six offices across Canada, clients everywhere. And so, you know, I'm typically always in a different city. And so for the first nine months of the year, you know, just head down, go, 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 go. You know, I do things to try and try and balance out all that, such as, you know, yoga, meditation, gym, exercise, all that good stuff. And then, you know, we booked a holiday in towards the end of May with our family, the taking our kids to Mexico, bringing the grandparents from the UK. So we'd actually get some rest in theory with babysitters there. And yeah, I was really excited. And so obviously the final push before we left, I had to go to Vancouver and what have you. Came back, was all excited, went away on holiday. And the minute Friday occurred, like I was a Friday, I just didn't want to look at my computer, which is unlike me. Right. Normally, whenever I've gone on vacation, I've always just kept on top of it. It's not been a bother, but I just found myself like not wanting to look at it, not want I'd get emails or texts and my brain just did not want to engage with them. And it was weird. And I was like, huh. So I just forgot about it. I was like, well, that's handy. I don't I feel guilty for not working for a change, which is what usually happens. And so, yeah, the two weeks went on and same thing. I just didn't want to just I had this aversion to anything work related. And so I, I think I felt rested. And then it was when we were on, the, on our way back and I just felt exhausted. And I mean, admittedly, being on holiday with toddlers and managing a family is still exhausting in itself a little bit, but managing a different set of people, I like to say. But yeah, then when I got back and I just had that same lethargy, I was, you know, it was the first Monday back and I just couldn't get my gears going. I still didn't want to look at the computer. And I did, obviously, because that's what, responsibility is and sometimes right I know mental health can prevent people from doing that sometimes but I can power through and do what you have to and it was just I it just occurred and so anyway continued I, I was doing yoga ready to go for walks but none of it seemed to help and you don't know you just feel tired so you don't like have to pinpoint anything and then yeah, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I just felt burned out. And and but once I acknowledged that and realized that like all the stress that had held me together, which fell away on holiday, also meant I wasn't held together, if that makes sense. 
and not in like a, a mental breakdown kind of way or anything like that but just like it couldn't like my body wouldn't sleep couldn't recover and so it was just affecting all those regular patterns we have as humans which ultimately then compounds the problem because if you can't sleep you can't get rested and on and on it goes and honestly but then recognizing that's how I felt and then yeah I don't know what the change was I just I recognize it was that realization that I was burned out and I need to rest you can't be in this position and not work hard I've got to drive but it's important to find life should be in periods and so rather than just nine months of backbreaking work I recognize that I have to build in slower weeks to my routine so that my body can come down from the the I guess the speed of which being on the road creates and so one Thursday I just woke up and I for the first time in a while I just felt really positive I guess what I normally felt like and I don't know where it came from but I think recognizing what had happened was a big part of it and then I was inspired just to share something about it because I thought to myself you know if one person sees this from whether it be my team or whether it be external and it helps someone you know that was my thinking behind it I didn't think it would go as viral as it did I think it's on like 23,000 25,000 impressions now from one post and I've only got like 5,000 followers and so for it to get and the amount of people that reached out to me both privately even my own team members called me which was nice to see and so that you know I think that action demonstrated that a lot of companies talk about mental health and talk about all this and give it all the buzzwords. But I found that when lots of people reached out, you know, it showed that we, I'm trying to share that that's the culture we should have because the amount of people that reached out and said, I've gone through exactly like this, but couldn't say anything. And yeah, that was both good to see people sharing, but disheartening to see that there were so many people that had similar issues. And I think we've been taught, especially being in the UK, where you're taught you don't climb the ladder unless you're the last to leave, so to speak, creates a culture of wearing burnout as a badge of honour. And and I was guilty of that a lot. And sure, I work hard. I don't expect my team to work anywhere near as, as hard as I do. Well, actually, my team probably wouldn't agree with that, but that's how I think. <laughs> But I also encourage rests and breaks and, you know, it has to be, you can't go 100 miles now all the time, as I found out. So, yeah, I think that's the synopsis of that LinkedIn post and how it came to be. You mentioned that you work hard and you drive yourself, but you don't expect your staff to push themselves to the brink and you encourage them to take breaks. Can you talk about what you do as a leader to encourage positive mental health choices in your staff? So, you know, what's in what I've learned about leadership and, and I'm in a group called the, the Young Presidents Organization and there's, you know, there's lots of curriculum on leadership and you meet and you get exposed to lots of business leaders across across the world. And vulnerability is one of the things that comes up a lot. And weirdly, when building relationships and human connections, so if you, when you open up and you're vulnerable to people, and obviously people are afraid to do that because of judgment, because of other things, perception. But you'd be amazed at, at the how quickly the walls come down the other side also. 
And so my feeling is I shared that and was somewhat vulnerable sharing something, but I'd shared about ADHD before, you know, because I was diagnosed with that. And I think that plays a big part in how my brain operates. And yeah, people just then felt comfortable sharing back because I'd shared something so publicly. And yeah, so I think it's as simple as that. I've seen it before. You share something. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're not going to go just meet a stranger and divulge your darkest, deepest secrets, but share, you'd be amazed. Like, you know, when you share about your children, that breaks down some walls. But when you share something deeply personal that relates to business, I think it just resonated more. And the biggest thing is actually saying it. So even these people that might have never addressed it, I think it was almost like you could see it was almost like a relief factor expressing that they'd felt the same. And so it was weird, like, and it was it, it was amazing how many men reached out as well, mostly men, which again, you, you know, you talk about mental health and, and I think the highest proportion of suicides relates to men and men are less likely to talk about things. I think it was even more inspiring to see that there was lots of men reaching out. Well, you, you know, again, I could, I'll pretend Again, you got to remember NBC is seven years old. So we have we have now HR group that are doing fantastic work. But to me, what I do, and it's not it's not scripted, it's not policies and procedures, it's vulnerability. Like I'm very open. Like, you know, if, if I'm tired or I'm exhausted, like I don't mind sharing. Whereas before you would hide that, no one would see it. And so to me, you know, if the team aren't okay. I want them to know they can say that now. Again, in my position, I have ex I don't see everyone all the time, and and obviously the unfortunately with the 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 title CEO sometimes comes with it. You know, people get a bit. It's funny to see people get a bit like nervous that the CEO is there, and it's just like I used to get like that when I saw companies. But it's funny being on the being on the other side, and I I definitely don't operate like that. I want that, but a lot of the closer team I work with, you know, again. I think leading by example, I again, go back to the LinkedIn post. Like I do internal communication with, with the entire team every other week. I just send an email to them outlining the good, the bad, the ugly, anything that's going on. And I often share intimate things like I did on LinkedIn there. And so to me that how else do you foster a culture in an environment where everyone's spread out across what is essentially a continent and now even more disconnected with the fact we all have remote work options. So that's to me is communication and leading by example. And, you know, that's why I'm always on the road trying to see the teams and clients, because I think that's one of my biggest, well, responsibilities as CEO is to lead the culture and, 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 and mold it. Ross, you have a young family. How does that play into the decisions that you make with regard to your own work-life balance? And how do you personally ensure that your priorities are sitting in the right place at the right time? Yeah, that's a good question about how do you line up your priorities between family and business? I think it's a impossible balance. That, and, you know, the way I look at this is there's there's no such thing as work-life balance. I think Jack Welch said that. No such thing as work-life balance. There's only choices and consequences. There's no balance. And so that's how I operate. And luckily, I've got a very understanding partner who has been with me since the start of this journey, more or less. 
And so she, I hate to use another phrase of she kind of knew what she was getting into a little bit. I always say when I was just running a business, I thought I was busy. Then I had one child and I was like, okay, maybe I did have free time when I was just running a business. And then I had two children. And now I realize that when I was just running a business, everything was luxurious. Because <laughs> like with two little ones, you have very little time. So how do I balance it out? When I'm home, you know, I get up super early. And I mean, I'm not recommending other people do this, <laughs> but I get up at 3 a.m. because I then work, I then work out. I do whatever meetings I have during the day. And then I always try to finish at around 4 or 5 p.m. at the latest when I'm home and spend the evening with with the wife and children. I also build in days. So on the weekends, I'm always available in theirs and we do things. And then when I'm home, I'll build in like, I don't know, I'll take a Friday afternoon or a Wednesday afternoon and either go on a date with the wife or go out with the whole family. And I think personal and business sort of all meld, mold together for me. What I try to do, just as you would with your business, is schedule blocks of time so that they, I, I have that time with them. And that's the only way I think I can do it. And of course, being on the road, one of the phrases I'd, I'd heard that we shared that kind of resonated with me a little bit was that the only people that remember you work late are your kids. And I saw that and I was like, you're right, but I don't work late. So I work early and they're not up. So I kind of flipped that on its head a little bit. But you also have to remember that what I'm doing here isn't just for me. Like that's the great, like what I love about building and creating, which is NBC is my outlet for that, is that it's not just, it's gone past me. None of this is about me anymore. It's about, I have a family to look after, secure their future. We've got 140 people that, that their careers and livelihoods are tied into MBC. And so my responsibility is to all of them, really. And so it's hard to mentalize all that when you know you carry a fairly large responsibility burden. I don't see it as a burden. To be honest, not many people get the honor of being in the role I am in. And so I think about that a lot. And I think from both a family and business perspective, I've, I've I'm not going to say I've been lucky per se, because there's been a lot of hard work involved, but I feel blessed to have what I have in both areas. Time management expert Laura Vanderkam, the World Health Organization, and a number of others have studied workweek productivity. Almost all studies show that about a 38-hour workweek is the sweet spot. Why do you think that so many quantity surveying firms and companies in general are sort of resistant to the idea of employees working less, even if they're achieving their objectives. So I, I think that's an old school mentality for us. We're very KPI driven. So I care about the KPIs that we've all, that we mutually agree to before anyone starts a role, right? It's not like this KPIs get surprised. And so I'm a big believer in like, I mean, there's certain roles that people have to be in specific locations for locating. And when we have offices, we need administrators there for someone clients come in, accounting needs to be in to, with their controller. So, you know, there is business requirements that need you in an office for, for team efforts, cultural things. But the way we operate is it's largely flexible, right? We have home working options and, and my biggest driver has always been on 
on the results, not where you are and how long you're there for, because I think that's rather rudimentary. Like to me, I know better than anyone, you know, you just because you, someone's there for nine hours doesn't mean you've done nine hours of work. So it's a bit of a bizarre tracker, but I think that comes from the punch in and out of the industrial revolution, doesn't it? And so, I mean, the way I look at it is in companies are resistant. I know it's hard, it's hard to define. I mean, there's a variety of reasons and I think it comes down to personal opinion and the beauty of it company is, you know, it has, it has leadership and usually the company and its culture are driven by that leadership. And so I think now more than ever, employees coming on board need to determine what, what their values are because there's a lot of people that like to go in the office. They like the camaraderie, they like the exposure, they like to get out of the house. And, and there's a lot of people that simply don't. And there's some people that like to mix the two. And so I'm seeing more and more and more that employees will be looking at companies based on their culture and how they operate and how it aligns with what they want from work. Whereas before it was always about money and holidays because everyone worked nine to five. Right. So I think that that qualitative side of, of, of um, employment is becoming more important. You know, it's funny because where whenever money's involved, there's going to be stress and pressure and conflict because that's unfortunately the nature of of society and money, what money creates dollars and cents. And I don't think there is a magic wand. I'll be honest. Again, I'd love to sit here and sound all new age and, and how you can help that. But I'm a firm believer in as much as I recognize mental health is important and recognize you need to take care of yourself and recognize the signs. If you want to be a leader in the industry or a leader in your profession, or you want to start and build a business, there's just absolutely no substitute for hard work, unfortunately. And I know there's a new generation coming through that do value working at home, that value the qualitative things more than quantitative, which is fine. But I just still don't think you're able to succeed at the same level without having that, without having that drive. And there's nothing you don't. Again, not everyone wants to go all the way to C-suites, and nor should you. But I think if you want to attain a certain level or position within a company that there aren't many of, you have to ask yourself what it takes to get there. You know, if you look at any company pyramid, right? It goes. You know, there's only one at the top and it gets a wider base as it goes down and so if you want to climb to the top and that can be respective any it doesn't have to be quantities of being whether it's engineering whether it's music or art in fact music and art's even harder because there's more competition harder to stand out you need a break and so to be a musician and and throw yourself into that with potentially no reward at the end of it like so to do anything no matter what it is at a top level requires dedication and sacrifice. My only caveat to that is learn yourself, understand how you're feeling on a given day, ask yourself that, because it's weird. And I don't think I ever noticed it until I had two kids in mid thirties, but I wake up in the morning and I'm like, how am I feeling today? Like, am I gonna, should I do a yoga? Should I lift some weights? Should I just go for a walk? You know, I asked myself that, whereas in my 20s, I would just get up and be like, well, today's leg day or today's I'm going for a run. And that's because it's on the schedule. That's what I'm going to do. Whereas now I ask myself the question of how am I feeling and then coordinate, respond accordingly.
you've mentioned yoga and exercise and that sort of thing. How does that play into your mental health strategy? And what other sort of activities do you do to ensure that you stay well? For me, exercise has always kind of been a part of just I played rugby and then lifted weights and then I've always just done, it's become part of life. But I was diagnosed with ADHD about a year ago, which actually explains a lot of my life trajectory to this point, the good and the bad. ADHD really is just your brain not regulating dopamine correctly to varying degrees. And so what I've realized is exercise is absolutely that. So that's why I have to do something every day, even if it's not, I'm not saying I have to go kill myself every day, but even if I'm tired, but going for a walk like that, I can't tell you how many times you feel lethargic or like groggy and you go for a 20, 30 minute walk and you come back like feeling great. It's so underutilized because when you feel terrible or you feel tired or you feel bad, going to exercise isn't something you want to do. But again, that that's honestly what it's, I, I tie it to dopamine for me, that a dopamine release and then it sets me up and I have to do it in the morning. I recently took up golf, so I'd, I'd resisted it for years because I just had no interest in it. And, and I went out around three weeks ago and fell in love with it. And now I love that because it's two to four hours on a course in the sun. I'm an even better person for it after. So that's kind of, yeah, for me, it's just activity. Just make sure my brain is active in a good way. And that's recovery for me. What advice would you give a young person starting out in their career to ensure that they maintain the balance that's the right priority for them? Yeah, that is a good question. So what advice would I have for a a new graduate embarking on their career and how to protect your mental health? You know, I go back to at the start of your your career, it should be about choosing the right company and it shouldn't be about necessarily the monetary value you know at the start of your career you 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 either you typically want a job that has a high experience bar on it i mean if you can get both great but it's unlikely at that so if you get an opportunity to work at a great company on great projects that are going to look excellent for for the future that's where i would say you go because when you go for the money and I use the example in the UK, there's a, I won't name it, but there's a supermarket that had a graduate program when, when I lived there. And they would pay graduates like 40, it might be more now, but 40 or 50,000 pounds. So like 80,000, $90,000 right out of school. But you, they wanted that pound of flesh. Right? And so again, I think the key, the real key is determining your path, what it looks like, and then finding the right environment to suit it is is the only thing you can do, I think, because I think at any level of job, there's going to be a level of pressure and stress. And we also have to remember that pressure and stress are all relative. And I think that's the hardest thing is that, you know, I think every job's hard. People discredit, like, you know, I'm not, not to discredit Tim Hortons or Starbucks, but that's still relatively hard in the sense that standing, dealing with customers, serving them eight hours a day. And if you do it well, you have to be on point. And so I think we do a disservice. You know, every job is hard and your understanding your capacity for stress is the first step. And then determining which environment is best suited for you, I think is the key. I never did that. I just kept jumping off ledges and seeing where they went. 
Some students find school to be very stressful. Do you think that's a potential indicator of how stressful they'll find a career as a quantity surveyor? We had to sit in a room for three hours and write an exam back then. So the, I think it was me having to sit in a place for three hours that I hated more than the exam. So I think my dread of exams and school deadlines versus the working ones were different because for me, I, again, school is very important, especially going into a technical area such as ours, but it's also very prescriptive. Yeah, very prescriptive and, and, and out of context almost. So I'll give you an example like, yes, them having to do an estimate by a prescribed deadline based on drawings is something they will have to do in the real world. But in the real world, the environment can be much more positive, right? We've got an opportunity to bid on this. You are key as part of the team. And that piece could get them excited irrespective of the deadline. So I think understanding the context in which the deadline exists is super important, especially for the for younger younger ones. Everyone's going through things. And so when people are coming across a certain way, rather than, you know, me get angry, defensive, I just always ask myself, you know, I wonder how they're doing and are they acting that way for a certain uh, for a certain reason? And I think compassion and vulnerability should be at the forefront of everything we do. Thanks to Ross Hewitt for speaking with us today about a topic that's often overlooked, mental health in the construction industry. For Knowledge Counts, I'm Wendy Hobbs.